0: This is Get Your Love On Radio here on Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. Welcome to this Sunday edition of this fine radio broadcast. And if you're listening on the podcast or Facebook, thank you so much for being here. My name's Julie Bueller, and uh, I love that song, Keep Your Love On. It is the perfect message for the hour, and it always will be, because God is love, and as we seek God, we will keep our love on, not only for God Almighty, but for each one of the individual precious souls that we encounter on a daily basis. Again, thank you so much for being here. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe, so I'd love to welcome our brand new friends in the United Kingdom, Russia, and Japan. Also, welcome to those coast-to-coast in the United States of America. We have an incredible, passionate listening listeners uh, in Columbus, Ohio. So thank you so much for your fervency before the Lord. I just wanted to let you know that we love you and and you can always reach out to us if you have questions or if you have a particular message that you would like to hear as it pertains to your life and and what the Lord's shown you. Reach out to us at getyourloveon.org. Also Denver, Colorado, Seattle, and of course La Quinta, California. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking this time with us before the Lord. We love you so much for it. Today is a big day in the United States, of course. It's the Super Bowl, and there's a big prediction going on everywhere. This team's going to win, or that team's going to win. Well, here's my bold prediction about what's going to happen for for the Super Bowl. One team will win, and one team will lose. Yeah, that's pretty bold, isn't it? Thanks, Jules. Thanks. <laughs> but how'd you like to be on the team that only ever wins? Because that's what we're talking about today. That's right. How'd you like to be on God's team? Because God is eternally victorious. That's a little tough to understand with the natural mind because eternity doesn't even compute in the natural mind. So we need spiritual eyes. We need spiritual ears. We need a spiritual mind to even be able to understand the grandeur of God's eternal Victory. And that's what we talk about here on this radio show. If you're new to the show, thanks again for being here. And that's what we talk about here is how to get those spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to connect with God Almighty one-on-one and have that personal relationship with God Almighty. Because yes, He is undefeated for all time. So I'm signing up for that team. I'm going to do everything I can to be on God's team and be an MVP for God Almighty. So that's what we're talking about today. We have two incredible ministers that I get to present as well, who dig out the word in simplicity and truth, and the Lord shows them such incredible deep meat as well. So if you're looking for that deeper meat with and, and you want more of God, this show is for you, and you can stay tuned the whole time. If you're a sports fan, this show is definitely for you, and I think you're really going to enjoy what we have for you today. So let's get going in the Word. We could keep it book simple here on Get Your Love On. So as I mentioned, God is eternally victorious, and He is undefeated for all time. Let's go to Jeremiah 10. We'll start in verse 10. It says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King his authority never wavers it never diminishes it can't be diminished <laughs> that's what uh that's what we're looking at here that's who we worship that's who we get to know is god almighty he is the true god and uh the rest of this verse is really important And it goes out to all those who are currently trying to usurp the authority of God in this great nation, the United States. It won't work. Here's why. At his wrath, speaking of God, at his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation the nations well each individual person is a nation so you can look at this word nations in multiple ways not only is it a group of individuals it's also one individual regardless though when those who are making god mad make god mad and he showcases his indignation they they won't even be able to abide in it they can't handle it they won't be able to stay They will get flung and they will have to flee. So hold fast to the truth of God's word. That's what we get to do. That's our right. That's our privilege as Christians, as believers. We get to hold fast to God's word and know that the nations will not be able to abide God's indignation as he showcases his righteousness for all to see. It's coming, my friends. It's coming. That's the God we serve, the true God, the living God, the everlasting King. I love it. Thank you, Lord. Verse 11. This is again, Jeremiah 10. It says, thus shall ye say unto them, speaking of all those who are opposing God, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. Why? Because he hath made the earth by his power speaking of God Almighty, he hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Oh, I love the word. So this, this scripture sure showcases that we should get to know God's wisdom, that we should understand his discretion, and we should understand his power if we want to be effective in this life. So today we're going to go over the top five ways to be God's MVP to be on God's team and to be effective for God Almighty. Number one, the number one thing we ought to do if we want to be effective for God Almighty, we got to know our playbook. we got to know the rule book, either or. It's the Bible. And, you know, to be an effective player on any team, in any sport— You have to know the rules, right? You can't just go in blindly and expect to succeed. If you're in football, you have to know what a first down is. If you're in baseball, you got to know what an out is or what, what a strike is. So it's so important to know the rules and to know the playbook. That's our Bible. That's our word. It's beautiful. And guess what? Only God's rules matter. Now, man and a lot of different opinions try to usurp themselves and act like, no, these rules matter more. That's not true. Only God's rules matter. So as we know our word, we will know God's rules, his playbook, and we'll be able to be very successful in that. Micah 6.8 says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly? and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. See, it's very simple, and it's very easy to know God. It is. I love the Lord for that. Now, as we're getting to know the the Word and our, our playbook, our Bible, in Isaiah 57, 13, this is really interesting. He's talking to people who used to know God, who have since sort of taken on this arrogance that I can do it on my own. I've got all this figured out. <laughs> well, what if a player does that on a team? What if a player tells a coach, oh, I'm, pff, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to be coached by you anymore. Uh-oh, it's not going to work very well. And it doesn't work with God either. <laughs> it doesn't. It's such an interesting analogy. In Isaiah 57, 13, this is the Lord speaking to those who are kind of pulling that. It says, when thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. When we put our trust in the Lord, when we fall in line with his rule book, when we just say, okay, I'm on God's team, I want to do it God's way. We can uh, be assured that we shall possess the land. We will be victorious and we will inherit the holy mountain because trying to do it of our own free will, trying to think that oh, I've already got it all figured out. That's, that's self-will. That's, are, those efforts are going to be in vain. They'll be carried away by the wind. Isn't that interesting? That's what the word says. That's why knowing our word is so important because the more we know it, the more we'll line up with it. And in 1 Corinthians 15, let's go to verse 57, we know that that eternal victory is through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it says so here in verse 57. It says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. As we have Christ within our hope of glory, we're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll get to those scriptures in just a moment. Um, We have Christ within our hope of glory. And then his incredible eternal victory, that true resurrection that he obtained becomes ours. That's right. God gives it to us. And so in verse 58, it says, therefore, let's understand that eternal victory. Let's cling to it. And with every ounce that's in us, let's make sure we pursue God to thank Him for that eternal victory. Because it says in verse 58: Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Isn't that an incredible confidence that we have through God Almighty? That the labor we put in, whatever that might look like, whether that's quietly praying on our, in our car ride to and from work, whether that's laying on of hands, whether that's having a full-fledged, vibrant international ministry, wherever that labor is, it is guaranteed to not be in vain in the Lord. Nothing else gives you that guarantee. Nothing else in this life makes such a grand, confident declaration because there is there's only one true living God. <laughs> so only he can make such a declaration that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Meanwhile, the labor in this worldly endeavors, it is vanity. It does just get carried away with the wind. Now we do have to do it. We can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. That's one of brother Bob's great sayings and it makes so much sense. Yes, we we put our we do put our, uh, you know, our hand to the plow and we do work here in this life and we do have our families and responsibilities. But the labor that we put in before the Lord in building those families in instructing our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, in loving one another, our spouse or, or our brethren, our siblings, our parents, that's all the labor of the Lord and it won't be in vain. This eternal victory comes through Jesus Christ. And Christ was the word made flesh. So again, knowing our Bible allows us to know Christ and allows us to understand the eternal victory that he gives us every day as we walk with him. God rewards those that diligently seek him. And we learned that last week. So if you'd like to go back and dig, dig deeper into that scripture from Hebrews 11, that God rewards those that diligently seek him, Go ahead and go to the show archives. But that's another reason we know we should be on God's team because this labor is not in vain. It is going to be richly rewarded. We have that assurance through the Lord. So what happens again? You know, we're, we're kind of drawing some analogies between our walk with the Lord and, and teamwork and being on a winning team, an eternally victorious team. Well, what happens if a player on a football team, for instance, and you're going to probably see this a lot if you watch the Super Bowl today, what happens if a player doesn't know the rules or breaks those rules? You get a penalty. Well, it's the same thing with God Almighty. In Hosea 4, verse 6, it's very clear. And it's, it's so important. So please listen to this very carefully. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. For those who don't think they need to know God, for those who don't think that they need to understand God or pursue understanding, a greater understanding of God Almighty, it's very sad. And it's the same thing. I mean, Not only does um, not knowing the rules hurt an individual player, it hurts the whole team. Same thing with the body of Christ. If we don't know our word, and we covered this a couple weeks ago too, there's lies being flung out there. There's incorrect statements of who God is being flung around. And my beloved friends, if we aren't the ones saying, wait a minute, this is what the word says about God. I'm standing with the word. If we're not doing that, who will? It's so important. People are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. So let's make sure, number one, we know the rules ourselves, that we have the knowledge of God personally in our hearts, in our minds, and we can vocalize it as well so that we don't reject knowledge of God. And then we're not, we won't be rejected of God. We will be brought into that fold and that this beautiful eternal victory. And it'll also help build our knowledge for ourselves and for our loved ones and those in our community and those that we help or interface with in any way, shape, or form. You know, the Lord allows us to minister in a variety of ways. For a lot of years, I was on in sports talk radio and on sports television and, and I ministered in a way through a lot of that, not necessarily by quoting scripture, but through my actions and through through my faith in God Almighty and my confidence in God Almighty. That ministered too. So just, just be before the Lord and use great wisdom to know how to minister the knowledge of God in whatever way the Lord shows you according to your personality and according to the circumstances that you find yourself in and according to the ears that you're speaking to or the eyes that are watching you. So just get before the Lord. He'll show you. That's wonderful. But we need to have this knowledge of God. We must have the knowledge of God. It's so important. And the other thing is, you know, players who don't actually know the rules, they're not going to play that long, my friends. What coach is going to put up with a player that continues To remain willfully ignorant of the rules. Good question, right? It's why it's so precious that the Lord gives us these avenues to build our knowledge of Him. It's such a gift to have true teachers and true ministers that read the Word, that give us the truth of God's Word in sincerity and simplicity. And we have that for you today, so I'm really excited to get to our ministers here. The other good news the other part of this is and it is good news it's that God really only has two rules. <laughs> That's right. Again, it's very simple. It's very simple and Lord, we love you so much that that you keep it this simple. Let's go to Matthew 22 we're in verse 36. Um there's an attorney, a lawyer who is trying to wrangle Christ into this big conversation. But of course, Christ kept it very simple, as he always does. And this lawyer says, Master, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, that is very simple. It's also encompassing. We get to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, which is the most precious thing in the universe, the human soul, the most precious thing. God has gone to great lengths to protect it, to care for it, and he gives it to us to then love him with all of our soul and with all of our mind all of our mind. We're going to get to more on that a little bit later on. But yes, this is the first and great commandment to love the Lord thy God. He's your God. He's your God. So let's make him personally our God. And the second, this is verse 39, Matthew 22, verse 39. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all, the law and the prophets. That's right. If we love the Lord with all our heart, all our mind and all our soul, then we're going to keep his commandments. We're going to learn about his rule book. We're going to follow his rule book. We're going to be coachable by God Almighty, certainly. And of course, it's not that hard because it's those two rule books, those two rules. So let's let's get to know our word. Let's get back to the word and make sure that that is our number one resource. Number one resource to know God almighty. All right. Number, that's number one. Know your rule book, know your playbook. Number two, if you want to be successful, and this pertains to athletes and our walk before the Lord, you got to sell out. You got to go all in. You got to commit. Acts two thirty eight says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So Peter was ministering to a bunch of people who were just hearing about Jesus Christ in Nazareth for the first time, and they said, What shall we do? This was his answer. Fully commit, fully commit, repent, change your mind, change your thinking. Say, Lord, I want the past gone. I want a new clean slate before you. That's what being baptized gives us a clean slate before God Almighty and the remission of sins. It's very important, and we're going to hear about that from our beautiful friend, a true apostle of God, Brother Bob, a little bit more. So I'll just say, keep. Keep listening for that because he does a beautiful job explaining what is the remission of sins. It's so cool. It's such a gift from the Lord. And yes, it does allow us to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So yeah, fully commit. Do this. If you haven't been baptized yet, reach out to us at getyourloveon.org. We can connect you to the family of faith and make sure that you that you are able to do this under holy hands and in the way that God specifically instructs in the word. It's so important. So that's the first step to fully committing to your walk with the Lord is getting baptized for the remission of sins. First getting first repenting, then getting baptized for the remission of sins and then receiving the Holy Spirit. That's how we start that commitment and that I'm sold out, Lord. I'm going all in for you. The next thing is seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Again, the Lord said, love the Lord with all thy mind. Mm -hmm. So number one thing in our mind should be the Lord, should be God Almighty. Now, I'm going to point this out. It's not always convenient to become a great athlete. It's not always convenient to become great in any field, right? Usually that means early morning trainings. Usually that means a rigorous diet. Usually that means some late night study. But those who make it a priority, they're the ones succeeding. They're the ones we're going to watch today during the Super Bowl if you're watching it. So if you want to win with God, you got to make him your priority. Numero uno. Matthew six thirty one says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all, these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is a promise of God that when we put him first, everything else is added to us that he knows we need already. So he takes care of those needs in beautiful ways, in miraculous ways, and in wondrous ways. And that's why it's so cool to make God our priority, because then we see that. When you make other things a priority, again, that's the that's the vain labor that's not guaranteed. When we make God our priority, we are guaranteed to have our needs met and to have our labor be victorious. Another good reason to stick with God, to choose God. Another thing, you know, good players, they got to, they got to, prioritize accordingly we have to also in our christian walk prioritize accordingly and good players you know they they can't be lukewarm they can't be wishy-washy they can't show up one day and be like okay maybe i'll give effort maybe i won't or they can't think nah coach i got everything i need i don't need to learn anything more no way good players are coachable and they they stay hungry and and that's our right that's our privilege too We need to stay hot and hungry for God Almighty. We can't be lukewarm. Revelations 3.15 says, this is God rebuking some lukewarm Christians. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. God wants us to have our minds made up. He doesn't, he's not wishy-washy. He says, if you seek him, all these things shall be added unto you. He doesn't wishy-washy. He doesn't go, maybe some of these things will be added unto you. Maybe you should count on me. No, God is very confident in his declarations because he's the one true living God. So he can be. And we also, when we seek God, get to be very confident in our declarations of faith as well. That God, I'm staying hot for you. So once you make up your mind to seek God, yeah, stay hungry for His word. Stay hungry for His righteousness. Stay hungry for more Him because there is so much more. He's the everlasting King, He inhabits all eternity. (laughs) There's a lot more we get to know of God, and it's all good things, too. That's the number one thing to remember. We can't be lukewarm can't be wishy-washy, we got to give God our all every day and just ask him, Lord, show me how to do that. Lord, show me how to give me your all. You know, the Lord is so gracious. He's so kind. He gives us very unique personalities. So, you know, while I'm, I'm saying give it your all, I'm also recognizing that the Lord shows each one of us individually what that looks like. So it's between you and your God. He's your God. Once you say, Lord, I'm giving you all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength, I'm giving it to you, Lord. He'll show you how to do that on a day-to-day basis. It's not always physical either. That's where this analogy a little bit, you know, it breaks down. Because so much of what we do in our walk is spiritual. And it's, it's a matter of the heart. So it's not outward um, effort. It's, it's inward conversation with God Almighty. But again, once you make up your mind to serve God, just go for it. <laughs> Give it your all. Go for it. And watch how he richly rewards you. And it grows from faith to faith and glory to glory. It's so cool. It's so precious. I love you, Lord. Thank you. Okay, the other thing, you know, good players, and we're speaking about how to be an MVP for God. Good players need to be disciplined, right? But that has to come from within. Again, it's a matter of the heart. So the best coaches can only do so much before they realize, okay, that player's got to want it for themselves. And it's the same thing with God. We've got to want God for ourselves. And when we do, we will become disciplined, in our walks. What's really cool too is, you know, there's a very famous um, individual who says discipline equals freedom. Well, it's not quite accurate because the truth shall set you free. So knowing the truth of God is actually the only way towards freedom. And discipline is a very interesting word. According to the dictionary, discipline is the act of training in accordance with the rules. So we're going to, we're going to train according to God's rules But it also includes severe training, corrective of faults, instructions by means of misfortune, suffering punishment. Wow. Well, in the Old Testament, discipline was a correction, but it's only mentioned one time. It's in Job 36.10. It says, he openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. So fix what you're doing. And the Lord opened their ears to discipline. That's the only time the word discipline is used in the Bible. The Hebrew meaning of that word is reproof, warning, correction, rebuke for instruction. So there's a real purpose behind it. God wants to get us back to his word, to his rules, right? Well, interestingly enough, when I was doing this study on the word discipline, in the New Testament, the word doesn't exist. But the same root word is disciple. So discipline and disciple have the same root word. Well, Christ calls us to be disciples. And the Greek meaning of that is a learner, a pupil to understand. As we learn of Christ, as we seek to understand Christ, we will fall in line with God's rules and his ways. No longer is this exterior force, this punishment, this, you know, discipline, this harshness that is sort of a religiosity nowadays. And, and there's a lot of people that go in that direction. Oh, I got to discipline myself. I got it's got to be harsh. It's got to be, you know, I got to go through these really hard things to discipline myself. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to, or you can just learn of Christ <laughs> and then become his disciple And automatically, as we do that, the Lord allows us to fall in line with him. Why? John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. As we learn of Christ, we will guaranteed love him more and more. As we truly seek him, it's just like that appreciation for the Lord just expands. It's a beautiful thing. So yes, we love him more and more, and we keep his commandments. And we know that we'll love him 1 John four nineteen. It's so interesting. It says, we love him because he first loved us. So as we accept that love of Christ, again, that love affair, that love exchange with Christ, with God Almighty, it only expands. And it, no, it's, it's not a matter of discipline to be a great player with God. It's a discipleship. And it's knowing God. It's learning of Him. It's understanding Him. And again, we mentioned earlier how you ha- you need spiritualized to do that. And that's true. We, being filled with the Holy Spirit is key to understanding God and Jesus Christ in Nazareth. So let's do that too. Let's make sure that's part of our walk with the Lord as well, is being baptized and walking in the Spirit every single day. So yeah, that discipline of a great player it is incredible to see and there's a lot to learn from it in the natural and in the spiritual it's discipleship we become disciples of Christ so awesome isn't that neat I love how the Lord you know he makes it simple and he makes it um he makes it very wonderful God is a gentleman God is a gentleman He is not He's not going to browbeat us. He's not going to yell and scream and try to convince us of anything. He doesn't need to. It's in the word and it's up to us to choose God. And I think he makes a really powerful, (laughs) really powerful case as to why we should choose him with every breath. So I hope, I hope this is blessing you. It's blessing me a lot. I can tell you that much. Another, another factor, if you want to be, really effective for God and want to stay on his team. We want to be around those who will boost our commitment. So we got to sell out. If we're going to be on, on this winning team, this eternally victorious team, we got to sell out. And it's important to be around those that will enhance your commitment and not distract from it. So Proverbs 27, 17, this is a really good scripture. Iron sharpeneth Iron so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's right. We, when we're around other Holy Spirit-filled Christians, we don't drain each other, we build each other up. What did the Lord show you this week? Oh man, what the Lord show you this week? Oh wow, let the, okay. And then we learn from one another and that commitment, that all out, given it our all, grows and builds. So let's make sure that we are around Those who boost our commitment, who increase our commitment to God. That's how you know a good team. The locker room is led by those that increase unity, that increase the commitment to one another. That's a good team. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure we're surrounding ourselves with Christians that sharpen us. We can't let others diminish our standards. No way. There's too much to win with God. And there's too much to lose as well. So let's make sure that we surround ourselves with those who encourage and challenge us to be at our best always. And let's do the same for each other in this glorious walk. You'll hear more about how we can do that for one another in just a moment. Okay, number three. So number one is know your know your playbook. Number two is you got to be fully committed. Number three When players are drafted by the NFL, when they get that phone call from a team, they understand that their life is forever changed. And so they act accordingly. They increase their training. They refine their diet. They celebrate. Well, when you're called of God, it's entirely appropriate to do the same because it is a life-changing call and the Lord asks us to act accordingly. 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is speaking of God Almighty. We'll go to verse 9. It says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God has called us and chosen us for this holy calling. So, yep, let's act accordingly. First of all, Recognize how incredibly life-changing it is. Second of all, let's walk accordingly. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Our body is a temple, and we're bought with a price. Well, let me get to the word here. It's, chap- it's verse 19. It says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? for ye are bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are gods that price is jesus christ of nazareth his blood that's the price we were purchased with by god almighty and in ret- he gives us so much and when we recognize that incredible price that our souls have been purchased have been redeemed by it's very humbling and and it's it's something that you'll never you'll never stray from once you understand that incredible price that sacrifice of Jesus Christ and once we also recognize that beautiful victory that he wrought for us as well but in order to recognize that victory it is important to also recognize that price that was paid and our body is a temple let's let's preserve it let's protect it let's make sure that we're not using it abusing it running it into the ground and also the the scripture that was before this was flee fornication you know i'll just get on this really fast it probably it could be an entire show but Sex is meant between a man and his wife, and it's, it's for the marriage bed only. So that's why the Lord's saying, look, you were bought with a price, so keep it holy and keep that, that work of the Lord, too, in its appropriate place. So well, we can go over that a little bit more in another show, but that was a that was scripture before it. So, and I'll just say this, too. You know, a lot of young men and a lot of young women have been taught their entire life that, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Whatever, you know, sex isn't that big of a deal. Just enjoy it. Just go have fun. And that's wrong. That's a lie of the devil. And not only is it damaging to your own soul to just um, to, to not recognize the value of your body as the temple of the Holy Ghost, it's damaging to your body. It's damaging to your soul. So again, maybe we'll do another show on that because it is it is, a, a plague on this land where people just think it's not that big of a deal. It is. So we'll we'll teach on that more a little bit later on. But your body is a temple. Hold fast to that and know that the Lord has the right one for you. And I'll tell you this too, all the ladies out there and gentlemen too, because I know that there's a lot of uh, young, young girls out there that are pretty aggressive and I don't know why I'm getting on this, but I just want to encourage everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to wait for the right one before the Lord, because you know that's the right thing to do. And it is the right thing to do. And I want to, again, encourage you that. Um, know that the right one that the Lord has for you will be. They'll be fine waiting also. It won't be a struggle and it won't be hard. It'll be the it'll be the perfect relationship by God Almighty. So if someone's trying to pressure you, if you're a young man and a, and a girl's trying to pressure you into sex, abort mission, flee. Get out of there. <laughs> That's why Paul says flee fornication. Woo! Get out of there. Okay. Young ladies, if there's a, a, a man in your life who's trying to pressure you, get out of there and let them know, hey, my body's a temple. That's where I'm standing. If you can't handle that, get out of my life. Simple, easy. All right. So That was a little bit of a tangent, but it's worth saying, and it's really important that young people know, wait for marriage. It's so much better. It's so much more glorious. So wait for marriage. Know that that's the righteousness of God. Hold fast to that, and the Lord will reward you richly in it too. Okay, so yes, walk worthy of the vocation. We're talking about how to recognize the calling of God and the value therein. And when we do, we will walk worthy of the vocation. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12, it says that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That's right. This is the word of God. This is not made up by man's mind. That's why you're going to hear our wonderful friend, Brother Bob, who had a television ministry a few decades ago. And he, his messages are still so relevant and current for today because he kept a book simple. So they're always going to be relevant. They will always be impactful to the human soul. They will always be nourishing to the human soul because he reads the word. And And that's the truth of god's word that's that's what we need. so yes, as we walk worthy of God, we will understand his truth and then you know we can give thanks to one another for one another without ceasing and walking worthy of God means we will entreat our teammates and encourage unity of the faith we'll expect Great things will expect that high godly standard from one another and will encourage unity. Ephesians 4 verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So yes, we will forbear one another in love Encourage each other in that love with all lowliness and meekness. Keeping it book simple. Not getting thinking, oh, I've, I got it all figured out. I know what I'm talking about. Nope. Lowliness and meekness, patience, that's long suffering. And yeah, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. So again, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit every day to keep the unity. Of the Spirit, right? That's the Word of the Lord. That's that's God's Bible. That's His playbook. I'm sticking to it, and of course, the reason we can appreciate the calling of God is because we are given great power and authority in it. It's life changing. It is. It's eternity changing, and we also get to count it all joy to be part of that eternity. In Luke ten verse 19. This is really an incredible scripture. This is Christ speaking to the 70, um, some of his disciples, and some of them who walked away from him as well. That's another show too. But he says in Luke 10, verse 19, it says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Thanks, Lord, for that incredible confidence. Here's verse 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We have that eternal perspective. So, yes, we get to use that power and authority to overcome And to ensure that we're walking in the unity of the spirit, in the bond of peace, certainly. And how do we do that? By overcoming the the sin, sickness, and disease, by calling out the wrong spirits, by shucking them, by telling the ugly devil, get out of here, Satan. Yeah, we tread on serpents and scorpions for sure and have power to overcome anything the enemy's doing. And we do that, yes, with great authority. And we do that for that eternal life. So understanding that calling of God, the incredible life-changing aspects, the great authority and the great power, and also the great eternal aspects and great eternal um, work that is of the Lord in that. Again, it is, it is a spiritual thing too. So... Uh, um, You know, it's so important to ask the Lord, Lord, give me this understanding. And we're going to hear more deeper spiritual matters today from our wonderful friend, Brother Bob. We're going to hear a lot more from him. So if you hear something and maybe, you know, you're like, well, I've never heard that before. Just say, okay, Lord, write it down. Lord, show me that. Take me into your word. Show me how that what that means to me. Make that mine, Lord. You know, Brother Bob used to say, if you don't understand something, just put it on the shelf and the Lord will reveal it to you at another time. So we can do that. But certainly, knowing the calling of God is forever life changing and acting accordingly is key to being on God's eternally victorious team. So, number one, know your rule book. Number two, fully commit. Number three, know the value of that high calling. Number four, it ain't over till it's over, my friends. That's one thing that sports always teaches us. It ain't over till it's over. Never count anyone out. And God wants us to do the same. You know, we can't look at the score at halftime and think, oh, well, this game's over. No way. And we can't look at someone's life and assume we know what God's going to do in it in its totality. No way. Christ was speaking to some religious guys. I'll give you an example. Christ was speaking to some religious guys, and they were murmuring against him because he'd been ministering to some sinners and publicans. And in Luke 15, verse 7, Christ says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Christ is saying, look. Stop looking on the outward appearance and assuming you know what's going on. God knows. As we seek the Lord, he'll give us understanding. But we can't use our natural mind to look on the outward appearance. I'll encourage you to go read the rest of the chapter. It's beautiful. You can also read of the prodigal prodigal son returning. And it's an amazing testimony of God's great love and deliverance for those that want God. Apostle Paul also discussed how he had quite the life of transgression, but through Christ's grace is saved. 1 Corinthians 1, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go to verse 9. This is Apostle Paul saying, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul became so impassioned. Number one, he recognized the labor of God is not in vain, so he could fully dive in and fully commit. But that's why he became so impassioned, is because he'd had life where he persecuted the church. And You know, the Lord's work, it's eternal. So we can't use a natural understanding of time. We can't assume, well, just because this person's in their 60s, they don't know God, they'll never come to God. Or just because this person's gone, you know, off the deep end, God can't save them. No way. No way. The Lord rejoices in each individual soul that calls out to him. And we're going to hear again how that forgiveness happens, how it's such a beautiful thing before God Almighty, and how we get to participate in that. So let's hold on to that. It ain't over till it's over. It's not over. And again, we can't look at God. We can't look at things through a natural understanding of time. God doesn't look at the calendar. He looks at the preparation. He he looks at events. And, and okay, are we ready for this event to be ready? wrapped up is this soul fully prepared he doesn't look at the calendar in second peter chapter 3 verse 8 it says but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day god doesn't look at time the way we look at time so we have to understand things in god's ways not ours his ways It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some some men count slackness. Yeah, some men might say, oh, this hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. That's not the way God works. So again, let's know God's rule book. All right, let's understand God's ways of doing things. It says, but God is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. okay. So let's, let's trust the Lord in all things, including his timing, including our interactions, including how we minister to one another. Let's trust God in that. Now, last but not least, the fifth element of uh, being on God's team is that any good team needs the whole team, every member, to be pressing in to improve, right? If there's a player, especially especially a key player, who says, oh gosh, I'm good. I don't need to go to practice anymore. I'm fine. <laughs> that team's not going to be very successful. Each member needs to press in to improve themselves and improve towards the team. So we all, as as Christians, fervent in our pursuit of God and keeping him number one, fully committed, sold out before the Lord. We all get to do the same, press into God for more. Philippians 3 verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? You know, a lot of people today, I'll use this as an example. Tom Brady is in his 11th Super Bowl. He could win his seventh today because he forgets the things which are behind. He doesn't care if he's won a lot of Super Bowls before. He doesn't sort of take that for granted. No way. He keeps pressing forward and he keeps succeeding in that. We get to do the same with eternal benefit. Okay, that's the importance of this. It doesn't matter what the past looks like. It doesn't matter. Keep marching forward. Keep pressing on with God. It says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any man, ye, if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So again, yes, God will reveal it unto you. As you ask him, say, Lord, I want to be an MVP in your eyes, according to my own personality, according to, to who you have me to be. I want to be your MVP, Lord. Because the body of Christ is an incredible, incredible orchestration of God Almighty. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. Nobody plays the same role in God's body of Christ. We all have our unique, special, individual role, which is why we can all be MVPs as we seek God. It says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Let's go down to verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. It doesn't matter if you've been serving the Lord your whole life. It doesn't matter if you just heard of Jesus Christ today. It doesn't matter if you just, this is the first time you've listened to this podcast and you're just going, whoa, what is all this? It doesn't matter. When we're baptized and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're walking in that. We are part of the body of Christ, and each one of us have our unique abilities, our unique personalities. We get to love one another for that uniqueness. And it says in verse 26, and when, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or when one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Whether if you're a starting quarterback or the punter, the team celebrates or fails as a team. In verse 27, it says, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. That's right. There's different positions on a football team, a baseball team, a basketball team. They all have their unique purpose. There's not 11 quarterbacks. Nope. There's 11 players on offense in football. And, and you know, the other thing is, is God doesn't have a limit to the number of positions or the number of players. There is the fivefold ministry. There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Certainly. It's for the perfecting of the saints. It's for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's very much key. But there's no limit to the variety. That's up to God. <laughs> that's, that's God's call, and it's a beautiful thing. In fact, here in verse 28, it says that it says, And God hath set some in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? We can have all of this if we'd like, but God also recognizes that there are different dispensations for each one of us. So verse thirty one but covet earnestly the best gifts gifts, and yet show I you unto you a more excellent way. So that more excellent way is through the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. We get to enjoy being teammates in this beautiful body of Christ. We get to enjoy knowing the rule book that's eternally significant, and through that, through our full commitment through knowing the value of the calling of God through knowing that God's got us in the perfect time frame for ourselves then we do know this more excellent way and we can covet earnestly the best gifts so up next i have a wonderful message from a true apostle of God God his name's brother bob he's my spiritual grandfather Just an incredible minister as you're about to hear. Now, to those who've listened to this show before, this message is called the Born Again Experience. And it's a wonderful message for us to be able to help those who are just hearing about Jesus Christ for the first time. And the harvest is ripe. And more and more people are discovering the Lord. And so let's make sure we can offer them this wonderful, simple knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And this message can really help us do that. And if you're if you are new to the faith, then this message is certainly for you to help build your faith and expand your knowledge. So this message is certainly going to bless each of us. And let's uh, let's tune our ears. This message is called The Born Again Experience by Brother Bob, a true apostle of God.
1: My message today is going to be in St. John 3 about Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was the leader of the Pharisees. Well, I'll get to it here in a minute. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now here was a leader of the Jewish nation at the time, one of the leaders of the Jewish nation, admitted openly that Jesus came from God and was from God because He did miracles and admitted that it could not be done except He be from God and God be with Him. Isn't that something? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the Kingdom of God. Now, Jesus said, except, talking to every one of you out there, a man be born again, he cannot see the Kingdom of God, let alone enter into it. You won't even see it, unless you're born again. And there's a whole lot of talk about being born again today. A lot of talk about it. But very few people know what it means. Even those that are talking about it don't even know what it means. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or surely, surely, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Except you repent and are baptized, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. mm mm-hmm what it means. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now when you repent and are baptized and receive the Holy Spirit, then you become a spiritual man. But until you become a spiritual man, you're a flesh, and flesh profiteth nothing according to the Word of God. Your flesh is worthless in the sight of God, unless it has the Spirit of God in it. Marvel not that I said unto you, Ye must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now when I first repented and received the Holy Spirit, I didn't know where it came from and I didn't know where it was going to take me. But I'll tell you one thing, it felt so good for 33 years, I don't care where it came from. And I know now, where it's going to take me. It's going to take me right in to the kingdom of God. I have entered in to the kingdom of God by being born again of the water, of the blood, and of the spirit, my faith in Jesus Christ. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Well, I'm going to tell you how today. I'm going to tell you how. Jesus answered and said unto him, are you a master of Israel and know not these things? There's many masters out there in the world today and even they don't even know what I'm telling you today. I'm talking about the masters of church services. I'm talking about ministers, masters of this word that don't even tell this and don't even know it because they haven't been preaching it for the last 33 years that I know of. I haven't heard any of them preach it. I haven't heard it preached, not in its entirety. Just a little strip here, and a little strip there, and just enough so that they won't be uh, harassed about it. <laughs> Praise God, I don't care. I've I got something to say, I'm going to say it, while I'm able to say it. Verily I say unto you, we speak that we do know. Now, see, I speak what I know. I'm like Jesus. I'll just speak what I know to be a fact and to be the truth, and testify what we have seen, And receive not our witness. He even told Nicodemus right there, said, you're not even receiving my witness. You're not paying any more attention to what I'm saying than anything. Yet you're a master in Israel. You're a master. You're a teacher. You're not hearing me. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Jesus had a good point there, didn't he? Even if I sit here and tell you of earthly things about repenting and believing and being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and you don't believe that, how would you uh, believe if I told you that God had taken me up to glory and let me see some of the things in glory at one time in a vision? Would you believe that? You wouldn't. But if you believe in being baptized and receiving the Holy Ghost, then you'll believe that uh, God will take you into glory and let you see his in a vision and let you see what it looks like. Because he said, I will show every man his habitation. That's in Proverbs. Mm Mm-hmm. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now there Jesus was standing there talking to Nicodemus, and yet he said, the Son of Man is in heaven. Now how can you be on earth and in heaven at the same time? Well, Jesus knew that his angel beheld the face of the Father, or God. Once you receive the Holy Ghost, your angel then, or your spirit, beholds the face of God. You'll find that in Psalm 149. And even Jesus Himself said it. Know ye not that your angel beholds the face of God? That's why you must be born again. Get the Spirit of God within you, then your image is before God, or your spirit is before God 24 hours a day. How many Christians have ever known that? Well, that's part of being a Christian, knowing that you're saved and that your angel beholds the face of God and that he hears every one of your prayers that's why he gives you tongues to speak in tongues that's the born to get, part of the born to begin experience is to speak in tongues because he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man but unto god and that's why the devils out there don't like for you to learn to speak in tongues or want you to speak in tongues because that's a direct uh, uh, conversation with god the father the mediator between god and man the lord jesus christ or christ within your hope of glory talking to god through your spirit and using your mouth isn't that fantastic what God can do to this natural body, and in just a moment. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now by that he means for you to call on the name of Jesus Christ, say, Lord Jesus, here am I, save my soul, let me find somebody that'll baptize me and receive your Holy Spirit, and then you'll be lifting him up. Mm-hmm. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now this is Jesus' own words. He said, if you'll believe in Me, I will fill you with My Spirit, I will give you everlasting life. Isn't that a fantastic promise? There is no other God that ever made or could make that kind of promise. Some of the uh, meditation gods say that you can gain uh, bliss in 10 years if you meditate and set and freeze yourself and in a in a certain position for so many for ten years. Well, here you can know God and be filled with the Spirit in ten seconds or less. The time that it takes you to say, "Lord, forgive me my sin," uh huh. You can go past bliss in ten seconds. It didn't take you ten years to get there. If it took ten years, nobody on earth would be saved at all. It takes about ten seconds or less if you're serious and mean business with God. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the only thing that's going to straighten this world out, is a great revival in this land, and people getting back to Christ like they did back in the old days, to get back to Christ like the writers of our Constitution did, get down on their knees and start praying for the things they need, and thanking God for what they already have. That's what it's going to take to straighten this nation out. He that believes on Him is not condemned. That means to think. There's a semicolon. there that says, think. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You people out there that say that you don't believe in God, you're condemned already. You're condemned to an eternal death, an eternal torment, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of the God. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, there's no hope for you in this life or the one to come. There is none for you at all, period. There's a period after this. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The deeds of men today are evil. You can't even trust your neighbor anymore because his mind is evil affected. If you've got a little better car than he's got, he hates you. If you've got a little better looking house, I painted my house here a while back from an old dingy uh, gray uh, unpainted house to a white house. And the first thing I knew it was on television that I had a great mansion up here that I'd painted my house was all painted white and they didn't like white houses. Well, 82% of the houses in the United States today are painted white and that's a statistic that you can check on and find to be true. <laughs> I like white. It's a sign of purity. It's a sign that you've got some ambition behind you to make your property and your ta- raise your taxes and pay your taxes and make things look better. Now, I like to pay my taxes because I'm in a free country. I don't feel that I've got any unjust taxes because God blesses me, the government here blesses me mm -hmm, by keeping me a free man and letting me preach like I'm preaching on on, uh, national television. I haven't got a complaint in this world about my taxes, folks. I would like to see the commissioner uh, maintain my road once in a while uh, more often, more than once a year because I pay taxes to have it done, so I mentioned it. But if he's unjust, he goes to hell for it, I don't. If he's unjustly using my taxes, that's between him and God, or the God that he's serving. For everyone that doth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now when I first got saved, my deeds, early deeds in my early life was reproved, taken away from me, done away with, (laughs) and love and joy and peace and contentment, and a good conscience ensued with me this last 33 years. It says, if your conscience condemns you not, then are you in Christ Jesus. But if you folks out there that's got a, uh, a leaky conscience or a hurting conscience or can't sleep at night, well, call on the name of Jesus and tell him to clear your mind and clear your soul of all your evil deeds and save your soul and let you die in peace or live in peace, either way. My first prayer of repentance was, Lord, save my soul and let me die in peace. I was 27 years old. Instead of letting me die in peace, he raised me up and added 33 years to my life so far in love and joy and peace, and made me alive, healed my body from a terminal cancer patient to a lively man for another 33 years. hmm But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. I came to the light, I came to Jesus Christ, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. I know my deeds this last 33 years have been wrought in God, because I feel great. My conscience is clear. I have the love of you folk out there, and you young people, and you shut-ins. And ere I love every race, creed, and color on this earth. For the Lord himself loved you. For he said, whosoever will, let him come. He that's weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. This is Jesus' words. This is the kind of a God we're serving. One without prejudice and one without controversy is great. Mm-hmm. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. It said Jesus tarried there with his, ba- with his disciples and baptized. hmm And John also was baptizing at Enon near, near Selem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. Now, I wonder why they had to have much water. Well, a bowl of water won't get it. That's sprinkling. Much water, buried him. Buried with him in baptism. Not sprinkled, buried. If you want to take a baptism by sprinkling, just wait till it showers a little bit and walk out and hold your face up and let, let it come from heaven and sprinkle you if you call that baptism. Now I have nothing against uh, denominal baptismal services like that. It's just the idea, is, it just don't get the job done yet. Never did, never will. <laughs> I'll just tell you the truth about it. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold the same baptizer, and all men come to him. He said, John, you're supposed to be the Baptist around here. How come they're going to Jesus and being baptized of him, come to him? John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven or from above. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Mm -hmm. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which uh, standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. See, they tried to create a jealous spirit between John and Jesus. That's what's going on with the denominations today. There's a jealous spirit between them. Baptists against the Catholics, Jews against the Christians, so on, so on, so on, so on. You know what I'm talking about. You all, you all live here on this earth, and you're old enough to understand exactly what I'm saying without me explaining it. Well, I'll tell you what, if we all get together and pull together, the United States of America will get back to God, and we would get the Bibles back in the schools. You can even put the Torah in the schools if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't hurt you a bit. It's the same reading that we have in the Old Testament. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, if we had that kind of an attitude in this world today among the religious proselytes, we'd have millions of people saved and serving God. We'd have millions of dope addicts off of the street. We'd have millions of young teenagers uh, rejoicing in the Lord and praising God and reading their Bibles in public and anywhere else and not be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. But the spirits that are taking over the earth today makes it, make it, tries to make you sound like you're a kook because you read your Bible. They don't say anything when you go to reading some of the uh, filth that's put out by the uh, publishing companies. They don't say anything to a kid that carries uh, a Playboy magazine to school with him or Playgirl, sex magazines. They don't say anything against the rock rock stars that get up and preach everything from suicide to sex to adultery. They don't say anything against that. But just read your old righteous Bible in public and you get arrested. Something how far from God the United States of America has gotten. Well, I'm not going to get in politics, but I just want to let you know. I know what's going on. I'm going to tell you about it. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. That He that cometh from heaven is above all. This is what Jesus is telling them here. And what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Very few people received Jesus' testimony in those days except those chosen of God. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. Now, I've received the testimony of Jesus Christ, and I know God is true. I know God is alive. I know God is with me because I have the Holy Spirit, and I do speak in tongues. Now, I don't make a big deal out of speaking in tongues. I don't preach it in my church that it's absolutely a thing that has to be uh, shown every time you come to church. Those tongues have their purpose, and it's mostly to benefit you. It gives you power to talk direct to God. And in the church, it, has, it, it gets the attention of the people so that they can be still long enough to hear the interpretation thereof and understand what God's talking about through a prophet or a prophetess. Now, I believe in the church, according to the word, you have to have an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and a teacher. I call it the fivefold ministry. And in my organization, I have the fivefold ministry operating. I have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the working body in the church. But we have it decently and in order. Now, I'm not Pentecostal, folks. I'm not anything. I have my own organization. A lot of you have written in and said, what church do you belong to? Well, I have my own private organization. I'm registered in the states where I preach. And I'm registered as an ordained minister. And I am an ordained minister. So don't worry about where I come from or where I'm going or what I belong to. I don't belong to anything that is called denomination. I'll guarantee you that. I only belong to an organization enough to get me by man's law in this land and to obey the laws of this land from the tax laws on down to the speeding laws. I obey them. I belong to an organization that believes in obeying the laws of the land and honoring the police forces and the security forces of this land that protect us. We honor them. I am not against my government, but I'm against some of the people in it that are trying to do away with some of my rights because I am an educated man and I know how to read that Constitution. And it, reads, it means exactly what it says. The same as the Bible means exactly what it says. I'm putting out this information so some of you can have something to think about. All right. Went on to say here, for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives not the Spirit by measure to him. Now the Lord has never given me a measure of the Spirit. He's always given me power to speak the word openly right from the book. I don't have to uh, guess or to be afraid of what I say because I speak the truth and nothing can come against the truth in the long run. It says, The Father loves the Son and hath given all things into his hand. Now Jesus Christ has all the power of this earth and the power to come in His hand because He came and He fulfilled the Word of God and His Father's will. He came to this earth and delivered His people through His power, His Word, and His Spirit. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? And he that believes not the Son shall not see life. Something to think about but the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God abides on every person that does not believe in God. That is a statement made here in this book many, many times over in the New Testament. I suppose that's why the atheist wanted the Bible out of the schools, is because it tells you exactly where you stand and how you stand. Mm-hmm. I want to go over here now to um, first chapter of St. John, the 43rd verse. And I want to give some of you folks an idea how easy it is to follow Jesus. On the 43rd verse it said, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and finds Philip and said unto him, follow me. People, today I have found you on television and on the radio programs that you listen to and I'm saying to you, follow Jesus. It's that simple. Just follow Jesus. All Jesus said to that man to save his soul and to convert him, and he made him one of the greatest evangelists that the world has ever known out of him, was follow me. That's all Jesus had to say to that man. Mm-hmm. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Peter finds Nathaniel. And said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Messiah. We found him. Folks, you can find the Messiah right now simply by saying, Jesus, save me. It's that simple. It's as simple to say that as it was for Jesus to say to Philip, follow me. That's how simple it is to get to God. Jesus, save me. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, You just come and see. Come and see. Can any good come out of me saying, Jesus, forgive me my sin? Well, try it and see. Try it and see. One time I was working in a packing house while I was going to Bible school. I worked for my own uh, money then and supported myself. And uh, this young man got on the elevator with me one night and said he was going to knock the Holy Ghost out of me. And um, I, ta- I began to preach to him. And I just set the elevator, we had eight floors on automatic, so I'd go to the eighth floor, come back down to the basement, go back up to the eighth floor, and go back down to the basement. So for the next 10 or 15 minutes, we were going from the basement to the eighth floor, up and down. And I knew if I kept going long enough, he wasn't used to the feel of that elevator, he'd get kind of sick. <laughs> so i just preached to him and the more I preached to him, the sicker he got. And finally I got him to the eighth floor And I opened the door and I said, now you get in your closet this evening and if you don't believe what I say, you get in there and you say, Jesus, 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 until something happens. And I said, you won't say it very long until something happens. And you know the next morning, he was at my church at 7.30 wanting in. God had saved him in that closet. God had answered him when he called on the name of the Lord. And he, his wife, and his five children got converted stayed in my church for about two years, went to Bible school, and he's now preaching and ministering in a church in Concordia, Kansas, and he's been there for the last 21 years, doing a great work for God. Isn't that something? He tried it. You young people out there, if you want to try something new, you get together in a quiet place, even as a group or as an individual, and you start calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus of Nazareth, here am I, save me. Or Lord Jesus, save me and teach me. Anyway, he'll ta- he'll hear you. It's that easy. If somebody would have told me that when I was a child or when I was a teenager, I would have done anything to got right with God. I would have done what they said, but no preacher was preaching it. They just said, join the church and believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. Well, it doesn't take that. It takes someone some doing on your part too. So folks, repent now, call on the name of the Lord, be baptized, Receive His Holy Spirit, and join me in the love, and the peace, and the glory of God for an eternity. I see my time is getting away from me again. Seems like I just get started to preach and my time runs out. But my program's only 30 minutes long, so I have to kind of guard my time. Write to me. There will be no follow-up. I don't beg for money. I don't ask for money. But I do tell the people, if there's any of you out there that would like to support my program and keep me on the air, the donations are tax-exempt. Uh, You'll get a tax receipt. I'm legitimate. I'm honest. And I'm going to stay that way for your sake. And I love you. I'm praying for you. Pray for me. Amen.
0: And there was our wonderful friend, Brother Bob. Isn't that awesome? The simplicity of the gospel. It is wonderful to know. And it is wonderful that you're here right now joining us for this incredible feast of the knowledge of God. That was the beginning. And as you heard, you know, there is there is some doing on our part that we get to participate in. And for those of us who have known the Lord for some time and who are looking for that deeper walk, who are wanting to go further with God Almighty, we have another message from our wonderful friend, Brother Bob, with great revelations, incredible knowledge that the Lord gave him through the Holy Spirit. For us today, there's a lot to it. It outlines some of God's playbook and it helps us train our minds to reject the world and receive God's word. So I'm so glad you're here for this. Um, And if you're new to the faith, then this message is going to really expand your understanding very quickly and very efficiently. So we love you for that too. So here you go. This message is called very appropriately, more about God.
1: Hello folks. It's good to be here again today. It's good to know that you are watching and listening. Today, I'm going to be ministering out of Hebrews chapter six. I'm talking to you people that already know the Lord today. I'm talking direct to you. I would like to feed your soul today and to give you an understanding of some of the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, many of you have been taught and preached to repentance, 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 repentance. If I sound like a broken record, well, that's just about what you've been sitting under is a broken record. If all you get is water baptism and repentance, you are under a broken record but God has something better for you today. So listen to me carefully. The sixth chapter of Hebrews, folks. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let me read that again. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. To perfection. In one place, the Bible says, be ye perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. But did you notice that be you perfect, you do it. And folks, you can and are perfect. The devil's got a line going around and says, no man's perfect. Well, devil, you're a liar. I'm perfect. Jesus was perfect. God's people are perfect. Mm -hmm. You were made perfect in the beginning It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now let's forget about our repentance and our baptisms and everything and go on to perfection. It is for you. It says, let's leave off the doctrine of baptisms laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. And God is permitting it. Permitting you to leave the doctrines of baptism laying on the hands the, and the resurrection of the dead and all those teachings and go on to the greater things that God's got for you. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now the people that once knew Jesus and have tasted the good things of God, and have gone backwards or gone away from Him, or haven't gone on to perfection, and have fallen away from their first love of God, it says it's impossible anyhow to renew them again to repentance. So let's be careful now and not fall away. It says, for the earth which drinketh in the rain that comes often upon it, and brings forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. All through the scripture, God's prophets have told of an eternal burning or an eternal judgment. Yet they also tell of an eternal love, an eternal love, if we will obey the commandments and the word of God. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work of labor, of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. You that are ministering to the saints and do minister, God is not unfaithful to show his righteousness and his love toward you. He does never fail to show his love and his compassion and shower his peace upon me for the ministry that I have now and for what I'm doing. God always rewards me openly. And it says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I followed many great ministers during my ministry, and I was faithful and worked with them in patience. And that's why God gave me my own ministry. Because he knew that I had set my heart toward him to do his work and his job. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. The Lord is swearing to you today by himself that he will be faithful to you, that he will supply your needs, that he will do everything and give you everything you need if you'll stay faithful in your ministries saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Speaking of Abraham. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. The end of my strife in this world ended when I promised and fulfilled the promise that I would serve God all the days of my life. Because he called me and chose me. And he told me that I was called and chosen. But it took me some time in my early ministry to realize just how significant it is to actually serve God in the beauty of holiness and in absolute uh, obedience unto him. Apostle Paul put it this way. Paul said, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been a prisoner of the Lord for many years, but I've been one of the happiest prisoners you could ever imagine. It's been one of the greatest times of my life. It has been the greatest time of my life. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. My refuge is in the hope of God. Without the hope of an eternal life, there would be no need for me to live on this earth or you. If we don't have the hope which is now in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and being resurrected with him, then what hope would we have? If in life, this life only we have hope, we are men most miserable. It mm-hmm. says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul our hope today, and knowing that we will be received of the Lord when we leave this body, that is the anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. We walk past the veil of ignorance into the great light and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It says, Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I want to elaborate on this Melchizedek at this time. Melchizedek was a high priest of God in the days of Abraham. And when Lot was stolen by the kings of Sodom and so on, Abraham went and rescued Lot, which was his nephew. And he went and slaughtered those kings because they stole everything, including human beings. And when Abraham came back from that war, Melchizedek, the high priest of God, met him and Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek of all the spoil. And even Levi, a son of Abraham, was as a little sperm in Abraham's loins at that time. And it was accounted even unto Levi at that time to righteousness because Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek and later on Apostle Paul said, And while yet in the loins of Abraham, Levi paid tithes unto Melchizedek, God's high priest. See, God accounted Levi as a living soul while he was yet a sperm in his father's loins. I'm going to minister on this in a later telecast. And I'm going to call the telecast Abortion Illegal. That'll be the name of the next telecast. So bear with me and watch for this telecast which is coming up. Because once and for all, the world is going to know that life begins with the sperm of the Father. The life's in the blood, and the blood is from the Father. But God says the sperm of man is the beginning of life. So watch for my telecast on abortion. For this Melchizedek, King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now listen to this. Here God called him king of righteousness, king of Salem, or king of Jer- in the new Jerusalem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually." Who was Melchizedek? Many times I've told you that the Old Testament is Christ-concealed. The New Testament is Christ-revealed. Well, Melchizedek was Christ, or God in the flesh, on this earth in the Old Testament. Let me prove it. Well, he had neither father nor mother. He had neither descent nor beginning of days nor end of life. And since he was made like unto the Son of God, who else could he have been? He was God's high priest. And Jesus Christ is God's high priest. He is the mediator between man and God the only mediator between man and God. Now, folks, you have an understanding a little more of the power and the significance of the Old Testament. Many times, Christ appeared on this earth as a man, both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. He appeared to Joshua as a soldier in the field with his sword drawn. And Joshua went out and said, Who are you, friend or foe? And he said, Joshua... Remove the shoes from your feet, for the soil that you stand on is holy. I am the captain of the Lord's host. That was Jesus Christ concealed there as the captain of the Lord's host in the Old Testament. And in the book of Corinthians, Paul said that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, it said that rock that followed them was Christ. Christ concealed in a pillar of fire, and in the rock that Moses smote, the invisible Christ. Mm -hmm. Isn't it great, the mysteries of the Bible that can be revealed by the Holy Spirit? When God first revealed these things to me by His Spirit, I was so elated, I couldn't wait to get to my church to preach it. And it's hard to sit and preach it now without rejoicing or giving out a good shout once in a while, just so good. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Consider how great this man was. Consider how great he is today, still. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Now here's where we get our power and our authority to take tithe of the people today. I take tithe of the television audience, those that are led to send their tithe to me, and offerings, because I said, we have a commandment to take a tithe of the people according to the law. I am commanded to take your tithe, but I'm not commanded to beg for it or to make you buy something or anything else. When you send your tithe and your offering to support my ministry today, it goes to God's ministry and to God's ministry only. I keep it honest because I'm not building buildings and churches and, and hospitals and statues and glass houses. And I've said this many times on television. I'm going to keep on saying it because I'm going to get you people trained in the way that God wants you to go instead of the way man wants you to go. It's time for people to be told the truth because God don't honor your offerings anyhow if they're not sent in love and sent to those that are using them for his glory. And woe unto me if I don't do what God tells me to do and use them for his glory. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. You people out there that are counted as less, you're the ones that are blessed. Mm -hmm. You that are accounted as just so-called Christians, you're the blessed ones. You that are obeying the Spirit of the Lord and serving the Lord in the beauty of holiness and honoring Him with your substance, with your time, and with your prayers, you are the ones that are blessed. Mm -hmm. And here are men that die, receive tithes, but there He receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that He lives. See, Christ does live. And as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. You see, Paul said that he, was, he received tithes and paid tithes in Abraham. While Levi was a sperm in the loins of Abraham, God said he paid tithes to Melchizedek. As a sperm, he was accounted as a living soul. I'll be ministering on that in one of my next telecasts. It says, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? What further need? Well, that need was a savior of our soul, which was Jesus. That's why Jesus had to arise after the order of Melchizedek and reveal himself as God in the flesh or the Son of God to save our soul. Because the Levitical priesthood under the law could not save the soul. The law and the sacrifices under the law could only take away your sin. But it wasn't to the saving of the soul. Not to the filling of God's Spirit. Not the promise of the Holy Spirit, like we have today and like we receive today. For the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity, a change also of the law. And Jesus came to change that law. And you know how he changed it? He fulfilled the law in righteousness. And today you and I fulfill the law by repenting and being baptized and receiving the Spirit of Christ within our hope of glory or the Holy Spirit. Then we fulfill and change the law. We are no longer under law, but under grace. That's why you're not able to sin once you be filled with the Holy Spirit, because this word remains in you. The Spirit of Christ remains in you and won't allow you to sin. For he of whom those things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. So you see, the natural man means nothing to God. It's the born again experience today that counts. Ye must be born again of the water of the blood and of the spirit, of the water baptism, of the knowledge of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and of the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And it is yet far more evident that for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arise another priest or there arose another priest, which is Jesus, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Jesus was made after the power of an endless life. The Son of God, crucified, went to his grave, overcame death and hell in the grave, and returned to send the Holy Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or crying, My Father, My Father, or being able to talk direct to God through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? Some of the mysteries of God are so simple once he reveals them to us. For he testified, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is a priest forever. He is the high priest of God now forever. The mediator between God and man. All you have to do is call upon his name. One scripture says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect. Now listen to this. But the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. Now this 19th verse of the 7th chapter of Hebrews, I want to elaborate on this a little more. For the law made nothing perfect. Under the law you could not be perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope, which was Jesus Christ, did. It makes us perfect before God. Because... It gives us the power to draw nigh unto God the Father direct. Let me explain that. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you will speak in another tongue that God gives you. And it says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man, but unto God. I have the power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues to talk direct to God the Father. And that's how we draw nigh unto God the Father. In the Old Testament, we could not see him. We could not draw near to him, or we would be burned up. Even when Moses went up to meet God at his invitation, he told Moses, tell the people not to even as much as touch the mountain, or they will be thrust through, or they will die. Don't come in my presence. Well, they couldn't because they had sin on them. Because they weren't perfect. They weren't made perfect. And those same Old Testament people will not be made perfect until after the rapture and God's holy people, since Jesus came, are there to rule and reign over them as kings and priests. Then they will be made perfect. All right, let's go a little further. And insomuch as not without an oath he was made priest. Jesus was made priest without as much as an oath. God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear you, him. We are to hear the word of God through the teachings of Jesus Christ and his apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God himself said that Jesus Christ was a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek's order was, he had neither father nor mother, beginning of days, or end of days, no lineage, no nothing. He had to be God in the flesh or Jesus Christ concealed. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Now, Paul testified, said Jesus was made a surety of a better testament than the law. Why? Because he fulfilled the law and he fulfilled all righteousness and gave us the power to become all righteous before God or perfect before God. So you people that's taught that you can't be perfect, you're believing a lie and you will be damned. You start believing that you can and will be perfect and are perfect, and then God will change your life. Because God doesn't have new things. God does all things perfect. He made you perfect. That Holy Spirit in you is perfect, and it does make you perfect before Him. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus Christ has an unchangeable priesthood. He is your mediator forever. Mm -hmm. He is your mediator forever. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us or them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens." Mm -hmm. That means he went to glory. "...who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself." Jesus does not have to make the sacrifice twice. He died once for us, folks, once and for all. He's waiting to hear from you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, here am I. Call upon him today while he's near, even right now if you'd like. I'll tell you one thing, you'll sure feel better in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You'll know that I speak true, that God is alive, that Jesus is alive, that he is mediating for you right now. Call on him now. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, I see my time's about gone. God bless you much. I'll be praying for you. Write to me when you can. I love you. Bye for now.
0: And there you go. Wasn't that an incredible message? And if you'd like to write to us as well, we have a beautiful ministry. Um, Brother Bob was... And an apostle for many, many years, and his wife now took on that anointing and leads a fivefold ministry, a true five-fold ministry. So if you have questions and you'd like to write to us, it's really easy. Just go to getyourloveon.org, and we will answer you. We have a wonderful team that will wait on the Lord specifically for your soul, so you can have full confidence in that. Wasn't that awesome, though? things that you've never heard before. I feel like I could listen to that three or four more times. And the Lord just continues to expand our knowledge and expand our knowledge. And that's the beauty of God. That is the beauty of God. We get to learn more and more about him each and every day. All right. Last but not least, we have a wonderful series um, here. Our team at Get Your Love On has some incredible series on YouTube. And so, if you if you're looking for uh, you know, 10 or 15 20 minutes a day or, you know, a couple times a day that you've got and you want to learn more about God, this YouTube series is specifically for you then. It's called The Sermon on the Mount and you can access that. I think there's 36 parts now, 35 or 36 parts now. This is We're, we're about to hear part 34 um, because it's so wonderful. It speaks to the importance of forgiveness and why that's such an incredible gift from God and to each other. Um, but go ahead and go to our website, getyourloveon.org. There's a link for videos and the entire series is up and it takes us through really good teaching that helps us know God better, understand how to work with one another, understand how to work with those that are beyond the faith, that don't believe God. And yet we can still impact their lives in a positive way and help them if they choose to accept God and Jesus Christ in their life. So it's a very, comprehensive series. And again, each episode is about 10 to 15 minutes long, and it leaves you wanting more every single time. So uh, they are done by our wonderful friend. His name's Corey. He is a great minister of the Lord who waits on the Lord diligently for your soul. And so I wanted to offer this to you. Again, it is available at getyourloveon.org, the entire series. This is a sample of it. And uh, here it is. This is episode 34 from our series on the Sermon on the Mount.
2: Now, previously, we covered the Lord's Prayer and the example that he gave in that. And what he did with that was he showed us how to pray. He showed us what to pray for, and he showed us the mind we are to have towards God when we pray to him. Now, I'm going to read it through again quickly here, because there's some couple things I want to touch on. So Matthew 6, verse 9, here's the Lord's Prayer. that prayer that template and example for our own prayers teaches us to always honor and acknowledge god it teaches us to pray with both authority and with humility it teaches us to pray for the victory of god in our life and the protection of god on our life it teaches us to pray for spiritual things as well as natural things teaches us to trust God in all things and for all time. And it also teaches us to bless and not to curse. To bless basically means to pray for good, to pray for the good for something or upon someone. To curse is to pray for evil, pray for evil against something or evil upon someone. The Lord teaches us to bless and not curse. In other words, the point I'm touching on here is we are to forgive as we also pray for forgiveness. Of all the things Jesus taught us to include in our prayers with this example, this is the one thing that he repeated and expounded on. In other words, it's of particular importance for us to do in our prayers and in our daily life. So he continues here in verse 14 of Matthew 6. He says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So to forgive, in the Greek, the word forgive means to send forth. To send forth. To forsake. To lay aside. To leave. Let go or put away. To yield up or remit. When the scripture talks about the remission of sins, that's the forgiveness of sins. Remission and forgiveness, they're the same word in the Greek text, which is derived from this root here of forgive. So to remit. My Webster's Dictionary says that remit means to send back. To give up, surrender pardon, remove. To refrain from exacting or enforcing. In other words, to remit or to forgive means to release from an obligation or release from a penalty. That's forgiveness. So when we forgive others, we're intentionally sending something away. We're sending it away from ourselves when we forgive another. And what we're sending away is our own condemnation and our own judgment against that one that we're forgiving. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. That's Romans 14.4. In other words, we're not to condemn our brother or our neighbor, because it's God that decides whether that soul stands are false. When we forgive our brother or our neighbor, we send that condemnation against them away from us. We let it go. See, And God is able to make them stand. If there's a problem there where we've had to forgive them for something, God can make them stand. He can help them. It says, Now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Isaiah 64, verse 8. See, the place and purpose of every soul is appointed by God. It's for Him to shape us and use us according to His will. Our place and purpose as Christians is not to condemn souls for the wrongs that they've done, but to give them the opportunity to do it right. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, this is sometimes referred to as the most precious verse, John 3.16. But John 3.17 is really the beauty behind that verse here. It says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, even in the state that it's in, but that the world through him might be saved. In other words, he loves us and he sent his son to recover us out of damnation, to recover us out of the oppression of the devil and recover us out from the influence of evil spirits so that we would not be condemned but come into everlasting life with him. So our role as the representatives of Jesus Christ Our role is to demonstrate his example, to preach his gospel, to teach his doctrine to those that are appointed to hear it, not to condemn them, but to make a way for others to get out of it, get out of condemnation. Those two verses I read in John 3, verses 16 and 17, I encourage you to read that passage through to verse 21, because there's some other things there that the Lord said. And what he was saying there was there's qualifiers on being saved. And it's not like everybody just gets a freebie. There are qualifications. We do have to come to the Lord. And those that are condemned, there's going to be those that are condemned. And those that are condemned, they've condemned themselves by not coming to the Lord, by not coming to the light. We give them the opportunity to do so. And then the ball's in their court what they do with that. So we don't need to condemn anyone because they'll condemn themselves if they're appointed to that. Now, forgiveness, that's not forsaking judgment between right and wrong. We are still to discern between good and evil. We're still to judge between what's right and what's wrong. But forgiveness is laying aside that condemnation and the penalty for doing wrong. It's not saying, oh, you've done right, so we forgive you. It's saying, even though you've done evil, it's saying, no, you've done wrong, but the penalty's not being applied. That's forgiveness. So when we forgive others for the wrong that they've done, we let go of any hold that would have on our own soul, and we let God do His work on their soul. The Lord said this by His prophet, He said, again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right. If the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die because he's turned away from the wicked deeds. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him he hath done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. That's Ezekiel 33 verses 14 through 16. This is why we are not to condemn souls, but rather give them the opportunity to get it right.
0: And there it was, episode 34 of the Sermon on the Mount. As I mentioned, there's a lot more. That is uh, just a taste of it. You can go to getyourloveon.org for all of those episodes and really spend some time enjoying a full, full plate and a full, fullness of knowledge of God for each one of us. Well, it's been a pleasure here with you today. Um, It's been a packed show, so I wanted to remind you that you can go to GetYourLoveOn.org. Go review shows from the past or enjoy some Bible studies. We have some awesome Bible studies up there, especially on the infilling of the Holy Spirit and how to get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk forward in this great confidence and the knowledge of God like you just heard. It is for each one of us to discover for our own lives. And then, yes, absolutely, help those in our life discover it as well. Well, it's going to be a great day today. We spent the last two hours getting our love on. Let's make sure we keep our love on. And, of course, we will be back next week as well. In the meantime, Lord bless your day, and we will be praying for you. If you'd like to reach out to us with specific prayer quests, you can certainly do that by going to getyourloveon.org. And, of course, the podcast is always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it, it's there, and it's there for you. Lord bless your week. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. I keep my love on.
2: If I were you.